everyone. This is Sabritas here. I'm here with my co-host, Short Latina. Hi, everyone. And welcome to season three. Cue applause. Woo. I wonder what that sounds like. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> no, I like it. <laughs> welcome, everyone, to season three. This year's season is completely revolved around the southwest side neighborhood, La Villita, a.k.a. Little Village. Um, and today we have back from season one, Jose Alfredo, um, to talk about his experiences growing up in La Villita and how they shaped him in, to the individual he is, is today. And so welcome, Jose. How are you doing? Good, good. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. Guys, I grew up in Cicero. <gasps> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't stand you. I was like, wow, this is awkward. I'm literally like tomato red right now. Oh, I, was gonna... I was sitting on that for a hot second and I was like, oh, oh, I, just, you... I just need to let her finish her, her spiel. Let's go. <laughs> so funny. No, I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So you didn't grow up in sister or you did? I did not grow up in Cicero. I grew up in Little Village in La Villita. Okay. Yeah. I just went. fucking with us. <laughs> Short Latina's like, uh. I was about to so, like, close enough. Close, close enough. <laughs> we can keep talking, I guess. <laughs> so where did you grow up in Little Village? You know, that's, I get that question a lot. And I think that um, my experience, I don't know if a lot of people had this experience or not. I think it's maybe it's just like a growing up poor thing, but I've lived all over Little Village. And I think I was talking to my sister the other day. And I want to say that with all the moves that we did before I turned 18, at least, we at least moved 13 to 15 times in our experience. Wow. It was a lot of moving, but it was all over Little Village. So I've lived on like 28th and Holman twice, 26th and Christiana, 27th and Christiana, um, 25th and Hamlin, 22nd and Drake. Um, what's the other one? 23rd and Millard. So many. I am 26th and Holman. Like that one, 26th and Holman was a pivotal point in like our lives, I think, as children. But anyway, yeah, I've lived all over <laughs> Little Village. Wow. How do you remember all the places you've lived in? That's a great question. I think trauma. <laughs> Thing. from each block he has trauma from each block I think maybe the sense of like never having like a fixed home we we kind of like developed a list mentally of like oh we lived here we lived there we lived everywhere so and I mean there there are ones that we sit in longer so there's like memories that like you know I've held near and dear to those places but yeah I think I could definitely do like if I ever become super prolific and famous there's going to be like a tour around the little village the like yes. Jose Alfredo tour and all the houses that he <laughs> lived in, in in his time here oh my god I love that that's gonna be museums it's, yeah it's gonna be like 11 stops it'll be a, a guided tour it'll be an official Chicago tour when absolutely you, when it's, you come it's gonna be a historical like landmark basically <laughs> I mean you can already have that I mean yeah, so, absolutely. Here, we can start on address one. Is that how we want to do this? <laughs> like, t this, is the, this is the trial one. Right. Um, well, okay. So I want to timeline. So since from what 
age to what age were you living in Little Village? Um, so definitely from, so my parents moved to Chicago when I was six months from LA. Um, and we landed on 26th and Drake. And I lived there from that time till I was like about five or till I was six, actually. Then we moved away for two years further south and then came back when I was eight. Um, and then from there on until I was about 22. Okay. But, yeah. But and moved. you currently live in... Currently, I am back with my parents. Mm -hmm. um, hashtag pandemic. Hashtag breakups. Hashtag. <laughs> this panoramic hashtag. that it's all fucked up. <laughs> my favorite one is hashtag pandulce. Like this is pandulce. <laughs> no, though. Okay, sidebar. I'm so sorry, Jose. I didn't know that was happening. Oh, no, not at all. I'm, I How actually, are you? Great. Um, we're both wonderful. We're both loving of each other and respectfully like it was great it's the best adult early 30s experience I've ever had in terms of breakups yeah like it's it's so weird like now that you have like therapy and language and like a toe box of things that you can reach into to like have conversations like adults like the breakups aren't and as traumatic it's like okay this mm -hmm. time to move on. Yeah. yeah it wasn't bad <laughs> well I'm glad I'm glad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, I did I did want to give space to your to your feelings. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean we're doing great. We're still friends. We shared a dog, so <laughs> that's <laughs> like we, right. We basically right. had a child. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're currently with your parents and your parent your parents are, are still in La Vita? No, they no? moved to so we're on I actually don't know what neighborhood this is called it's south of gage park but not so far south that it like crosses 63rd and like kedzie so i don't know what the brighton park see but i think it is it still brighton park they're just yeah. all lines what's i know it's not it's they're all made up anyway. no it's true <laughs> they are all made up they're just they're just that way basically they're away. like that for so that we have as little political power as we possibly can when voting time comes around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, we have <laughs> so we have we have to fill in our listeners a little bit because we have people listening from California, from Texas, from all over the world. And, and so we have to tell them what La Vita is because we're basing our whole season on La Vita. And I, for one, um, am super excited about this season because I also grew up in La Vita, born and raised, and I have a lot of pride. And I feel like most people who grow up in La Vita have a sense of pride for the neighborhood, regardless of regardless of the reputation that the neighborhood may have. That being said, if you could summarize La Vita and its uniqueness or tell us a little about a little bit about what you find unique about La Vita. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the reputation it may have comes from haters. So, you know, haters gonna hate. <laughs> um, but no, so La Vita is the second like neighborhood location where like Mexican families landed when they came to Chicago, right? Because the first one was originally East, um, the East Side. East Chicago, yes. Yeah. 
Um, so, and then slowly but surely that like migrated towards um, La Villita, which we now know as La Villita, which used to be, I believe, don't quote me on this, mostly, it's still working class neighborhood, but Polish? Polish and Czech. Yes, Polish and Czech. Um, but anyway, what I find unique about it, um, I grew up around people who looked like me. I grew up, it's a hugely, hugely populated by mostly Mexican um, Mexican families um, who migrated here from Mexico. Um, and yeah, I think that one of the most beautiful things is that you, I grew up at least, and it's not everyone's experience either, but I grew up with people who spoke mostly Spanish, um, eating the food that my parents ate from when they were in Mexico, uh, paleteros, you know, eloteros, selling wonderful treats outside, going to the panaderia. I think, you know, what's funny, like we, my mom lives all the way over here now. And anytime I'm like, is there pan? She's like, oh, let me go to, she literally goes all the way back to Little Village <laughs> to a specific panaderia to get pan, which is, which I did not realize that's how panaderia survive. I did not realize that this is how, because you know, there's so many panaderias all over the strip. The they reason, really are. The reason that they're still surviving is that once you have your base clientele, that that becomes your base clientele forever. Like, the people will come back just to have that specific bond that's made there, which I think is crazy. You know, <laughs> well, not crazy. I mean, good for her. Like, what's your what's your mother's panaderia? I actually don't know. I should know. I'm sorry. I could have <laughs> plugged. I could have plugged them. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll give some recommendations. Right. El Nopal, if you want the 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 Is that still open? You know, they've been like open and closed uh, a couple times, but they're open right now. <laughs> well, I do know that also that they've gone through like several um different owners and things like that. Yeah, there was a change in ownership, and but my parents usually buy our 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 pan from from Le Paris on. On 31st and Pulaski. No, yeah, 31st and Pulaski. So I just texted her to ask her. What, what <laughs> yeah, saying. you have to let us know. <laughs> but um, I do know its location. It's on Cermak and, oh my gosh, like, I want to say like Albany? Somewhere oh, around there. Um, is it? Oh my Cuernavaca? God, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Is it Cuernavaca? I think so. I thought it was, it's oh a, no. It's a tiny one. It's tiny, uh -huh. tiny. I've been there. They have some, I would go there before work. Oh. Right. Well, I mean, where? <laughs> <laughs> On her drive far, far away. She would um, stop. She would <laughs> I mean, who, okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a real unique thing about La Vita where there are certain, there are certain restaurants and certain stores that are staple on 26th street that people just always come to. I remember one time when I was buying an elote during the summer. Um, and you know, sometimes you talk to the people while you're waiting for your elote. Right. And the guy was like, I was asking him, I was like, oh, the uh, vive por aquí. And he was like, no, vengo. Es que ya me mudé de aquí, de este barrio. Vengo desde Rosemont. I was like, I was like and he, he goes, vengo desde Rosemont para mi elote. I was like, 
O sea, que usted maneja desde allá hasta acá por, por un elote y dice, sí, es que los de allá no, no saben buenos, like, you know, lo mejor es aquí en la vida. And I just could not stop laughing because I was like, I mean, I love my elotes from my lotero, but I don't know if I would drive like over an hour for an elote. Right. That's real dedication right there. There is one thing that I would drive for, and it actually, because you said um, uh, El Nopal before when I was younger, and who knows who was the on, who it was under management from, but they used to make this one specific pan that no panaderia makes anymore. Like, I can't find it anywhere, and if I were to find it, I would drive an hour to, gra- to get some because it is my favorite. It's a pan de lote, and other people have made it it's just not the same and it mm. makes me so mad but Can you anyway. describe it for us yeah it's um so it's like it looks like a bolillo kind of but it's flatter and uh, you know how conchas have that like um thing on top it's kind of like that same consistency on the top of it but it's yellow obviously because pandelote and the top is like decorated like if it had like if it was corn, like, um, mm-hmm. y, oh my God, it's just so delicious. It's like sweet enough and not too sweet because I really don't enjoy sweets. So like once you've put too much sugar in something, I'm like, I'm out. I don't want to eat this. But it was just like the perfect balance of something sweet. And and it's dense. It's like nice and dense. And oh my gosh, I just, I can't. That now I'm really hungry good. again. <laughs> that sounds really good. Maybe we should go on a hunt and find your bun. Seriously, if anyone's listening and knows anyone that makes good pandelote, hit hit, hit us up. Hit us up. <laughs> you, you know where we. You know where we are. Tweet us. Tweet us and <laughs> let us know. For real. Um. So I mean, I think that we all have a different connection to La Villita. Um. You guys grew up in La Villita. Well, how about you, Sabritas? Did you always grow up in La Villita? Yeah, I've been living on the same block my whole life. Oh, my God. She said born and raised. That's my only sad thing. Like, I cannot claim born and raised. Raised, sure. Mm -hmm. But I can't say born, which is fine, I suppose. It's okay. Growing up here, growing up here within it, within itself is is an honor. (laughs) Right, right. I have, I have, um, what is it? I have the spirit of La Vida. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's funny, not funny, but it's funny and sad to hear you guys talk about La Villita because I did not know La Villita existed until maybe my teens, late, yeah, early teens, late teens, uh, I was like, what, 13, 14? Um, and I had already been in Chicago since I was nine. So it, it, it's oh. sad because I didn't know that I could have connected to some way to home and the transition would have been so much more easier. You know what I mean? And I, it's like, I feel like I missed out. I missed out on having a community because uh, we grew up in, uh, we arrived in the Gold Coast. Why? I don't know. Okay, uh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> we arrived in the Gold Coast, but we had a studio. So we lived there for like six months in a studio apartment in the Gold Coast because it was close to my dad's job. And then we were like, we don't fit. Like we have to do something. So his coworker was like, I run, I can rent you my apartment, but it was in, in Ukraine village uh, border to Humble Park. So that's really where I grew up. But still, 
it was, it never felt like home. Then I think, I don't know why, eventually my dad's like, let's go to La Villita. And I was like, what is that? And we had birria. And I was like, why did it take you so long to bring us? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And um, it felt like home. La Villita found you. That's <laughs> yeah. It called yeah. to you. I mean, it was like, girl, get your, get your butt over here. <laughs> Where are you hiding up in the north side for <laughs> when you belong down here with I, us? We, we're going to get into, you know, going to school in La Villita, Jose, because I really, I want to know, because I want to know what I missed out on. Because my school experience in the Gold Coast was horrible. So racist. Um, the only Latina, the only brown girl there. It was terrible. I hated school. Um, and because I was brown, I was sectioned off with the kids that are underperforming. And so they would divide us and we were all of color. Right. Um, it was very, very segregated. And just to give context to our listeners, uh, the Gold Coast is located a little bit north of the loop, right? Am I not mistaken? Yeah. And yeah. it's a it's a predominantly wealthy, wealthy neighborhood and white and white neighborhood. So they have really it's gorgeous up there honestly um i mean those buildings are beautiful yes they can't negate that yeah the money is is definitely being uh put to use going back to the topic of schools i absolutely agree short latina jose could you tell us a little bit more about what schools you went to and your experiences with school yeah absolutely let me put them on blast no just kidding You're like, here we go. go. No, I went to McCormick. Okay. um, Which is on, remind me, 28th and Sawyer? I don't know. Something like that. Um, I went to McCormick for, from third grade on until fifth grade. Then I went to Madero for middle school. And then I left Little Village and went to Curie in Archer Heights for high school oh and i went to gary for kindergarten and first grade oh i live by gary oh nice yeah um yeah those are the schools i i got them right yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you recall your experiences at at the schools and like growing up there well the nice thing um i will say that when we moved back from our two-year stint away um and when I moved back as a third grader, I think the biggest takeaway I have is that the friends that I made in that year are still my friends now. Like a, a, a lot of them are still my friends. Like we still celebrate Christmas. We still have Friendsgiving together. We do like a white elephant gift exchange, secret Santa. Like, and it's been a, it's been a tradition that we've upheld for oh my god since I was what eight years old I'm now 32 someone do the math because I can't um and yes I am a math teacher but I'm not gonna do it <laughs> that's why we have calculators you're, you're off the clock you're off the clock. <laughs> yeah my brain's fried um but yeah I think that's my biggest takeaway from having gone to school in Little Village is that I made some of the most beautiful wonderful friends that I still hold near and dear to my heart um and I, weirdly enough, like we stayed in the same pod all the way through high school for the most part. Um, and then including, and then I went to college with two of them. So wow. it was, it's insane. Yeah. 
It's like I remember like my friend Claudia sat next to me when I was in third grade and we both graduated from DePaul at the same year. So that's amazing. Crazy, you know, <laughs> like it's in, it's insane. Um but yeah, like that was a beautiful thing. Like that I was surrounded by people who spoke the language that I spoke. Most of them also spoke Spanish. The one thing I will say, I think what kept us close is that when we moved to middle school at Madero, we were put in the IB program. And that kind of just like locked us in us 22 together through sophomore year of high school. And so that's that's probably why we stayed so connected. That's so nice to hear because yeah it's almost you you felt connected you felt it was your community you were able to form a community at such a young age and that's insane i i think that's and that's the beauty that's that describes la villita to me oh yeah like once you know one person you know like a it's like a octopus effect like you know (laughs) uh now you have 10 people or 10 like lanes of people that you might know as well like it's it's crazy I completely agree because everywhere I go, if, if someone's from La Vita, the, my, always my next question is, oh, what street did you grow up on, right? And I feel right. like that, that's always like an indicator of, you know, where they're, where they're at. And if you know that area, for example, oh, do you know so-and-so on that block? And more than likely they do. And you just, you know, it's, it's such a small world in, in La Vita while there are it, like you said, um, Jose, it's a populist community. Um, everyone is so well connected and they know one another. It's, it's, it's pretty insane. And unless you grew up on like, unless you grew up like west of Pulaski, then it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> that just absolutely does not count. Forget whenever, count. whenever I do ask people like, oh, what, what, where, where in Little Village? That's always like the funny part. Like if they are west of Pulaski, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, you grew up in a different world. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't understand it. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. Um, but I was also going to ask, um, because you are an educator and a musician, and I recall you talking about on our first episode of our first season, how you performed for Via Palooza. Am I remembering correctly? I have performed for Via Palooza once. Once. Yes. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me about twice. when you performed at Via Palooza and how, um, and how that influenced you? In- and oh well, goodness. I want to know, what, you know, did La Villita, how did you get into music? You know, and did, yeah. I mean, because you grew up in La Villita, what was the influence? Was there an influence? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my dad was a musician growing up, and he was in a lot of bands. But I think one of the so one of the things that always um, not impresses people, but maybe impresses people, is that like my Spanish is pretty decent. Like it's actually like I'm. I would say it's I. Um, and one of the reasons is that I grew up singing music in Spanish. So I also we went to church at Saint Agnes, which is on Central Park and Twenty Sixth Street. Um, and my dad was part of the mass, like contemporary choir the, with the guitars. At what time? I'm sorry. Oh. I, I went to see that. <laughs> oh my God. I'm crying. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, we just get connected at 1230. That mass was always packed. It was the 12 o'clock one. Yeah. The 12 o'clock one. Oh my God. I used to go to mass at 1030. It was like the it one of two masses one. in English. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so crazy. I'm so sorry, but go ahead. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were at the 12, we were the 12 o'clock mass and yeah, my dad used to play with them. And I think when I turned like nine, I joined and I was in it for the longest time until my, I severed my ties with, you know, um, organized religion, but it was, <laughs> but it, it really is like that kept me singing that kept me singing in Spanish. It kept my Spanish intact. Um, and then just singing at home with my dad, like just practicing with him. Like he would just like, let me practice with him. And so that was, part of it and then the other part was that I had a fourth grade teacher Mr. Delansky shout out he um would do like these elaborate like winter and spring showcases with his homerooms and he was one of the ones that like tapped me to like he's like oh you're gonna sing a solo and I was like okay um I have no idea why but I was like and I think I told my dad about it and it made him I could tell that he was so proud so I think that alone just like made me keep, I think that's when I joined the church choir. I was like, okay, well, I guess this is something that makes him proud. Let me keep doing it. Let me like continue to go down this road. And yeah. So years later now, I'm like a musician myself, I suppose. You suppose. You are. are. You're, yeah. Um, You are very, very talented. And I'm just, have you ever gone back to that music teacher and asked him what he saw in you to choose you for a solo no I didn't and honestly like one of the things that so even as an educator now myself like I am terrible with remembering people like I remember your face I remember like if like if it was like a event like I'll remember it um and I just don't want to put him on the spot like he taught for who knows how many years like I would never be like, I would never be under the impression that like he would even remember who I was, you know, after his years and years and hundreds of thousands of students, because he was loved at McCormick. Like people like still follow, like, where's Mr. Delansky? What is he doing? Is he healthy? Is he okay? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I know, no, I never asked him. Also, cause like, I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> And he's like, who are you? Like, I or I just picked your name out of the hat. I don't know. <laughs> like, damn. Right, right, right. We just needed a boy who could carry a tune. It's like, oh, great. Thanks. Wow. But you know what? It, it worked. No, I actually do remember one conversation he had with me in fifth grade because, I mean, as a child, your voice is higher. And my voice is still high, even for a grown, grown ass man. But as a child, it was even higher. And so like, I would get like made fun of every now and then because like I sounded like a girl. And I remember he pulled me aside once and he was like, do you still want to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm making my dad proud. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. but, but in my head. And he, I remember him telling me something like, you know, you just, you have a beautiful voice and if people are making fun of you, you just let them make fun of you your speaking voice is going to always be different than your singing voice. That's just the way that that's just the way this works. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was never bothered too much by that actually. Cause I was like, I don't care. Like I'm getting attention. This is all I wanted in life anyway. <laughs> like a true Leo. <laughs> I, I will sacrifice it all for the attention. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. And I, you're gonna, you're gonna sing at my wedding. I already told you. 
Yes. I'm down. Well, the, you know, when COVID stops being such a bitch. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I love that story. I love your stories, Jose. They have like, so much heart and like soul. And I'm just like picturing everything and I'm just like, oh my God. Little, little Jose. Yeah. And his first solo. Yeah, that's right. I, and I'm sad we don't have like a recording of it or anything. We, we used to have a recording of the one I did in fifth grade but we stored everything incorrectly and like mold and like, what is it? Not mold. What is it called when like, oh, humidity mm-hmm. like ruined all of our VHSs. And I'm just like, so sad that we never got to like convert them digitally. But, oh, wow. Anyway, what a shame. I know that now my like Hollywood story is going to be <laughs> missing the footage of me as a child. Like, you know how we see like Britney's videos and Christina Aguilera's videos from yeah. when they were children. Yeah. Your documentary won't be complete. I know. It's all going to have to be like reenacted by some <laughs> child who's going to have to like semi look like me. You don't have any of your friends who maybe your parents uh, videotaped? You know what? We probably do actually. There yeah. you go. You know what? That's, that's you right. You know what? The solution. <laughs> the solution. Do a call out. Like everyone who has a video, send it in. Yeah, there was, you know, parents record everything. I'm sure there is. Now, I don't know if they zoomed in on you, but. <laughs> the this, audio this, is uh, all that counts. It's it's what yeah. matters. I was a soloist. They better have. Like, why, are you watch- <laughs> why are you watching your child when I am the one singing? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, my God. At least, at least pan out, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious because you started off with. Um, religious music and then you know once you cut your ties with organized religion how what did what did you what did you go on to so I high school I didn't do I didn't do much as middle school and I mean my dad's stuff at home was just like at home but I did get into musical theater in high school Mm -hmm. and I think that's where like I latched on to for a while I was really into musical theater loved it um and then soon after that definitely like oh not soon after like in conjunction with that like at the same time um I remember when I was like 13 I woke up to my alarm you know when your alarm used to be your radio (laughs) um my my radio was programmed to 107.9 la ley and on Sunday mornings they play only rancheras like only mariachi music I don't know if they still do because I don't listen to the radio station anymore. Um, radio, <laughs> radio stations are trash. Anyway, sorry, that's a segue. Um, <laughs> I remember they played Linda Ronstadt's Y Andale, and then they followed it with uh, Vicente Fernandez's um, La Ley del Monte as I was like waking up from slumber. And it was <laughs> a life-changing moment. When I was, I was 12. I remember I wasn't 13. I was 12 because for my 13th birthday, my mom got me the Linda Ronstadt CD that I asked for, um, which was Canciones de Mi Padre. So I was equally in love with mariachi music and musical theater after, well, while still going to church, but you know, my relationship with church at that time was complicated. (laughs) Oh my God. That's that's such an evolution. What a journey. And so... (laughs) When was your first performance in front of a public audience? Let's take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay.
That's how good I am at bringing us back. And we're back. <laughs> That's um, perfect. Thank you very much. I've been practicing. <laughs> so just to fill people in, we are here with Jose Alfredo. This is his second time on our podcast, and we're super happy he's here. We've been talking about his experiences growing up in La Villita, and we've been dissecting how Little Village has shaped him as an educator and a musician. This Short Latina. <laughs> Short Latina. Do I have uh, anything to share? <laughs> Do I have any insight? No. Um, so, okay, Jose, you, you've told us about your your experience in, in schools and, you know, influence the music. And uh, as our listeners know, you're a music teacher in CPS. Uh, but you don't teach in Little Village, right? I do not. No, I teach in Belmont Cregan. Okay. Which is the northwest side. And I'm not Wait. a music teacher anymore, actually. I was going oh, to say, okay. he said he was a math teacher. Yeah. So I, I originally, I was a music teacher for six years, seven, something like that. And then I switched over to the general ed classroom. So I'm now a math and science teacher for fifth graders. What made, what made you decide that change? I'll, I think that I needed a, not a break, but I, I definitely needed a change of pace. I think with anything, when you do it for so long, um, it become it can become monotonous and it can become difficult to like find the inspiration to keep doing it day in and day out. Um, but I had fun doing it for the six years that I did it. And I also like Belmont Cragen is also largely a Latino um, neighborhood. And I fell in love with bilingualism. I fell in love with the children. Um, and honestly, actually, this is a great segue into another way that I was influenced by my education early on. I do feel that the bilingual education that we received as children in the 90s was a disservice to most of us in that it did not do a good job of helping us uphold or continue to grow our first language, um, at least academically, and even like informally, like, you know, anything that I have in my back pocket, as far as my first language is concerned, you know, Spanish, and my ability with Spanish, I literally think the fact that I have had to sing so many songs in Spanish as at an early age and that my parents only speak Spanish. I don't attribute it to my education in any way. Like, I think that the way that bilingual education, and it's not Little Village only, it's like, it's the way that bilingual education in and of itself has been formulated. It did a huge disservice to a lot of us um, in terms of being able to uphold and upkeep our first language into mm -hmm. adulthood. And so that kind of inspired me to go back, get my master's. So I have my master's in, um, well, I have my master's because I wanted my bilingual certification and approval. And I wanted to, I also got like tired of like seeing kindergarten at like nine o'clock and then eighth graders at 10 o'clock and then third grade at like 11 o'clock. It was a lot. It, it, it can be very draining to have to like switch it up um, from hour to hour and I was like I kind of want to like have my own group that I'm with mm. all day or for most of the day and like um, I craved the connection also it's very hard to build connection when you only see your students once once a week for one hour like that that becomes um, 
difficult. So at least for me. And so I, I also craved like making the connection with the students, the families and being a bilingual teacher. I'm not technically yet teaching bilingual, like a, what do you would call like bilingual, like a bilingual classroom because most of my kids are monolingual, but they are all bilingual. Like they all speak for the most part Spanish, you know, um, at least the Latino ones, they come from like Spanish speaking households. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember growing up in the 90s here in, in Chicago, in the Gold Coast, they did everything possible to prevent me from speaking Spanish. It was <sighs> like, it was, it was like, you're supposed to forget it. And, you know, you get paid more for speaking Spanish and English. And so it's, it's such a disservice. I, I totally agree. Yeah, um, I, it was the same way in Little Village. I, so I was in bilingual classroom or the bilingual classroom tagged until third grade and then in fourth grade so the way that bilingual programming works um so it's the early exit bilingual program that most of the city was under unless it was um inter-american which is a dual language school um it means that your bi the bilingual program only goes up to third grade and then your goal is to exit your students out of bilingual services or by the need for bilingual classrooms by fourth grade. So I exited out of bilingual programming by fourth grade and then it was monolingual English teachers after that. Wow. And so hence why now I'm a gen ed teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love that journey. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a reason. Um, and, you know, your passion is music. And just because you're not teaching it doesn't mean it's less. Not my passion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or, you know, um, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is like to be teaching right now virtually or hybrid, I guess, you, CPS has officially made you guys go back or tell me the situation. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're hybrid now. I'm back because I didn't get an accommodation to teach from work, from to teach from home. Um, it is interesting, it's fascinating. It is also um, disheartening the way that like Chicago public school treats its educators like I think it's disheartening to think I'm I, I'm struggling with the fact that like we are in a pandemic and the fact that employers regardless of whether it's CPS or not still expect the same amount of productivity or like that makes absolutely no, no sense to me like it is literally a fucking pandemic right now and you expect all your employees to still produce the same way that they are producing. Something is wrong with you. Like people are barely functioning. Like, I don't understand how you think this is okay. Like I, I really, I am, I struggle with wrapping my mind around it. I, I don't understand it. And the fact that like the board has like been fighting to get everyone back in the classroom. It's like, what, I, what is wrong with everyone? I, I don't get it. But anyway, um, today was my first day back <laughs> in the hybrid model <laughs> and it was interesting because you know so I only had four students today and they were sweet uh, this is my first time meeting them which was actually really like like meeting them in person wow I, oh and I was like oh my goodness this is crazy <laughs> uh, but, but you're was... like you're too close too close. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily they actually they were they're 10 years old, 10, 11. So they were good about like keeping distance. Um, but like our internet went out for two of my kids in the middle of the day. And it's like, all right, well now you can't access your other classes that you have to be in. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I, 
I'm and because I'm also at the same time teaching my own kids who are virtually mm-hmm. I see for me, you know so it was like okay so I, I was like okay um students give me one second work on random thing that I have to put all your fingers <laughs> because I have to go see if I can fix this internet issue um yeah it's it's a mess I think that's like who's being served who who is this doing good to I don't understand but anyway yeah and then do parents ever con- connect you and connect talk to you and be like can you help me with tech support or like help me you get stable wi-fi or yeah, a lot of that happened at the beginning of the year when we were like when we knew that we were going to be learning from home. So a lot of that reaching out happened from teachers themselves, I think. For the most part, like we reached out to parents and we're like, what do you need help with? Like, do you need piece do you need the piece of technology? Do you need help learning how to, you know, navigate it? Or they would go to the school and the principal or whoever was at school would help them figure out how to like log their child in and things like that. My goodness. So you're an educator, an IT man, and a therapist <laughs> is what I'm learning. And soon to be a music teacher once again. <laughs> there's the, I found out today, there's a lot of like space in our day that we have now that like, and I only have four students right now. So I think I'm going to, because I'm at the old school that I was at when I was a music teacher, I know we have like 20 guitars stored away somewhere. So I'm going to steal four of them and bring them into my classroom. And every other day we're going to do like guitar lessons for 30 minutes or something. Cause I'm sure, cause those kids also, they, they cannot be in the screen the whole day. It's exhausting. It's exhausting for me. So I, I kind of want to give them a little break at some point. I just have to figure out in my schedule when, and it'll be nice. It'll be like a callback to my music teaching days. Yeah. That's awesome. And hopefully one of your students one day is on a podcast and talks about you. <laughs> and wonder. <Hopefully> nicely. <laughs> I wonder if there will be podcasts, but you know, later after us, I don't know. People still listen to the radio. So I'm, I'm, I think it will. So are we timeless? <laughs> You're right. People still do listen to it. I don't get it. Back to the radio being trash. I'm just <laughs> the same 50 songs um um I, I will say that there is something cool about your favorite song playing without you expecting it versus you playing it you know at will i don't know well that's oh, true. when it comes you to the radio, the radio yeah. and you're like, or like requesting a song i don't does that still happen yeah absolutely i think okay. so yeah. <laughs> anyway. i mean me, me absolutely <laughs> haven't listened to the radio in like 30 years <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I want to get to the to to something new that you're doing, uh Jose. I have uh you have a TikTok. I do. Yes. I but do have a TikTok. I love the, you know, um you're an educator, you're a music teacher, so some of your, you know, could you actually walk us through some of the TikToks that you've created and what you hope to accomplish with them? Oh, that's a great question. I talk with my therapist about this all the time. <laughs> Yes, I talked to my therapist about my TikTok. Um, <laughs> honestly, so one of my big goals, um, and I think the pandemic really pushed this forward in a way that like I didn't um, expect. And it's a conversation I had with my ex too, because uh, once again, we're still like really, really great friends. And like, um, it's it's always, a, <laughs> we're, 
it's nice to look back and see like, where did all of this break down? <laughs> um, but you know, the pandemic was hard on all of us. And I think that I was sitting in a lot of unhappiness during it without realizing that I was unhappy. And I, the reason for that is that I truly think that I am destined to have a Netflix special. And this Netflix special is going to be like slash music singing slash stand-up comedy slash storytelling through short stories, but also like singing live. So I do have an idea and I'm actually in the works to record this project, not with Netflix, obviously, but to record um, this project this summer or early late spring, um, where it's going to be short stories about my relationships, but they're going to be done and told through Juan Gabriel songs. And it's mostly like breakup, post breakup. So like the heartbreak stages with Juan Gabriel songs and intertwined are like my personal stories. And that's supposed, it's going to be funny. It's going to be great. You know, I already um, love it. I'm already crying. I'm already like, <laughs> make it happen already. I want to watch, I want to binge watch that already. <laughs> Right. So like the TikTok is mostly like an avenue. The singing and the TikTok is all an avenue so that Netflix finds out about me and asks me to do a Netflix special. Uh, that's mostly like what I'm using it for. So on TikTok, I'm, I really love talking about music. I love talking about the music, the three branches of music that I love the most, which are mariachi music, uh, musical theater. And I do love classical music, even though I don't really... Um, do that at all but I love talking about therapy I think everyone needs therapy and I think I said this the last time mm -hmm. um, and actually it's funny that you asked me about <clears throat> the TikTok because I'm trying to find a format that works people seem to have like a super specific niche when it comes to their TikTok channels and I just I don't have that necessarily um, I feel I just feel like my interests are so like far wide and stuff <laughs> And they're just like they just spread they're all over the place you're multi-talented um, what are you gonna know, do and, and i just want to talk about everything too um <laughs> but i have decided that each day of the week or not each day i'm going to start short small will have a specific theme for my tiktok videos to mm. be released so like mondays will be like musical mondays hashtag music Mondays. so it'll be a song a short clip of me singing like a musical theater song um thursdays will be Therapy Thursdays, where I will talk about things that I've learned in therapy or things that I am going through in therapy um, and getting a little bit more personal about my experience with therapy and like the struggles that I personally have in life and how therapy is helping me with that. Um, and then there's another one, uh, which, oh, Tequila Tuesdays, which is really just me drinking a shot of tequila and singing, <laughs> singing a mariachi song. <laughs> so those are the three that I have so far. And then you know, like there are trends that happen on TikTok. As I, I don't know if you know, but there are trends that like come in. Yes, there. yes. And that will probably be my Wednesdays, which will be like wacky Wednesdays where I just do something stupid. Okay. I was going to say we had a guest um, on last season, season two. Her name is Erica, Erica Cruz. Um, and she's like a self-discovery expert. And I know she has like a workshop on like TikToks and like focusing. Finding what, yeah. Finding, finding your yeah like honing in on your your principal message and like mm -hmm. really expanding on that um she she was she was a great she was a great guest but she really does she works on that like um building your social media and she's 
Is that with Erica with a C or with a K? It's CK actually. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so her insta her insta is the T H E Erica E R I just kidding, it's just K. <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> a and then Cruz, C R U Z. And we can oh, also send it. Hey, send- Erica Cruz. That's so no. funny because my, my handles are all the Jose Alfredo. Amazing. See, I, I already see I already see things going really well. But, but we can l- connect you for sure. Yeah, we'll just send an email and, and be like, hey, CC. wanted to introduce. Awesome. I love it. I would yeah. love to. Thank you. She's awesome. And I believe she works one on one with people. <laughs> she does. Um, so and she kind of asks you questions to arrive to that point. It's almost like, you know what you're good at and would, you know, um, attract people to you. But it's almost like she she helps you really shape that. Um, right. be- it, you have to workshop it. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, she, she she's really good at it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do the connection for sure. That's what we're here for. That's so exciting. Now I have to go and follow you. Is it the Jose Alfredo on TikTok too? It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so. I think I right now TikTok. it's right now it's mostly just singing. What day is it today? Monday? Yeah. I should, I should probably release a musical theater <laughs> one today. Right? Um, but it's, uh, yeah, but it's mostly singing right now. And then I did do like two therapy ones, I think. I would <laughs> love, honestly, for me, what gets me on TikTok are, are stories. I love I love storytelling. Um, and so you t- talking about your your um, your dad and the influence that he had on you. And I was just like, that that's that's beautiful. Like, that's what I would put a heart and be like, yes. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let me write that down. <laughs> real. Like, I just I love and like, I love when people are like, um, like, I, I follow the Korean vegan. And she's one of my favorite TikTokers and because oh. she tells a story about food and the influence that food has had on her life, about her relationship with her father. And she makes a dish that she would eat with her father, for example. Okay. So she connects it. Oh, that's it. beautiful. But she, that. she tells stories while you see her cook something beautiful. And I'm just like, this is a work of art. I don't know. I don't know how I could ever do that. Um, I thought I could have a great TikTok, but honestly... <laughs> TikTok is complicated. Let me it's tell complicated. you. And it's also like um, it. I intimidating. I, think <laughs> I find it to be very intimidating. I mean, I find everything. Yeah, I find everything to be very intimidating, honestly. But, <laughs> but it's a lot of moving parts. You know what I mean? Because you have to be in sync. There has to be the good music, has to be a good transition. That's just too many opportunities for me to fuck up. Honestly. <laughs> to look like a dumbass. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I, I barely even post on Instagram. Like I'm not going to make a video. Like, but it takes, it takes, um, it takes a lot of creativity. I can't even spell on Instagram. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Thank God for that edit button. (laughs) For real. Um, but no, I, I, I like, I, I love what you're, you know, what you shared Jose. I think I honestly really enjoy your mental health TikToks too. Oh, thank you. Um, because, I don't, yeah, you know, this year has been total a shit show. Um, I think um, even if you're in therapy, it's a nice reminder to, to 
to see how therapy is working for other people. And also that it's okay. Like if you don't like your therapist, you can break up with them and find another one. That's um, actually going to be one of the videos I was going to make too, because who I was talking to someone who just started and they were like, I don't think I like them. And I was like, then leave. Like, <laughs> you're like, paying them. Yeah. And honestly, they don't care. They and honestly, it, they would prefer you leave. Yeah, because you're not gonna you're not gonna work put in the work because you don't you can't open up with them and it's okay to shop around and and honestly when I was looking for a therapist I was like listen I'm gonna come to a session maybe two but I'm honestly shopping around I'm I'm trying to see other people <laughs> damn I'm, yeah, yeah I don't got time to waste <laughs> no I come no. here with a purpose. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes uh, and intentional, like I know what I need to work on, um, you know, anyway, but I, I love, I love mental health, uh, TikToks. And I, I like, you know, I think that when people are vulnerable on TikTok, it's one of my favorite things when they tell you, yeah, just a story about like what they've, they're going through in therapy because people identify with that. Like, absolutely. Well, I think that that's, I think vulnerability in general is what people are drawn to. Like even as a performer, like I think the most I get feedback on is like, uh, I forgot what you said earlier about like, you need to know, oh, we were talking about TikToks. You were talking about like knowing like what draws people towards you. Like, I think that's something that I've struggled with, not necessarily not knowing, but like realizing it and allowing myself to like really like step into it and like really like be like, this is what it is like and I should I should be okay with like I should be not proud of it but like yeah proud of it and I should like run with it like instead of like being like oh no like people don't know don't look like look at me but don't look at me you know like <laughs> like I, I should definitely like lean into that and I think that that's and if vulnerability is one of the big ones mm-hmm. like even when you're like performing live if you're like singing the shit out of a song and it's like and you're really feeling the shit out of it like people love that because yeah. you're not just there, like, you know, standing, like park and barking for no reason. <laughs> owning it, owning who you are. Um, I was like, I need a mentor. So I asked professional Afro-Latina, I'm like, please be my mentor. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, and so she's like, yeah, absolutely. And she asked, we meet once a month. And she was like, um, Latina, what are you good at? What are you like? What if I think of you, um, what are the things that you I can say? But Latina can fucking do this and, you know, knock it out of the park. And I had to do a list of things that I know I'm good at. And I was like, I'm really good at these things. And like, I, and it's almost like we were always taught to be like humble and be like, no, I'm not that good. <laughs> but right, I, right, you right, know, right. I'm okay. <laughs> no, but like, I think um, I own that I'm good at certain things. And I also acknowledge that I'm growing, you know, but. Anyway, I, I think, you know, owning what you're good at is, is super powerful. Um, I don't know who taught us not to own that and to, to what is it? Diminish your light or. Yeah. yeah to dim our light. Like we were meant to light. shine. Yeah. That, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you said that, Jose, I was like, yeah, if you're meant to shine, you're meant to shine. Like you can't, you know, you can't hide that, but it definitely, um, you know, it's, it's about also like learning to accept and, and love those qualities. And like you said, stepping into them, that's not, that's easier said than done. Um, right. Absolutely. That but, self-love. 
<laughs> but it's been a pleasure having you back as our guest, Jose. I, you know, we need to have you back every season, I think. But oh, thank you. I would love to. I, you know what? When you said we just want you to talk about yourself, I was like, I am there. <laughs> This is my and, this is like my favorite assignment. Like you know how in school every now and then you were giving like this one essay where you had to like write about yourself. I was like, how many pages do you want? Because I would die. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> For me, it's like, and what experience? What what years are we talking about? Like, how do we want breadth or depth? Because this is. A, <laughs> Like wait, which one are we going for here? I love that. I love that. Turned in a dissertation of twenty pages. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes. Um. Thank you so much for being vulnerable with us and talking with us this this evening. You know we love having you on our show. Oh, and I love being here. Thank you for coming, Jose. Um. Since you've joined us, now we're asking our guests two questions. Well, we're asking our our guests what makes them nerdy. Um, but also for this season, we want, uh, you know, we, we make one cent per listen. And we're going to be transparent about that shit. Bala, like what? One, one cent. cent. <laughs> like un centavo. Nice. <laughs> for listen. Oh, ballers over here. <laughs> Don't go spending it all in one place, though. Or like a dollar. Oh, I buy some chicles at the corner store. With that. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I think I think. You know, we, we have this podcast because we like to talk and talk, you know, we love to meet people. But I think, you know, we also want to, um, you know, practice reciprocity, um, not just taking from the community, uh, the knowledge from a community, from a group of people, but actually giving back. And so we're asking our listeners and our guests about um, ideas of nonprofits or organizations or causes that you think um we can that we can donate the money that we make from each lesson um and give back to, to la villita and so that's homework if you can't think okay. of one right now good because i was like oh my god <laughs> let me Tell google right, right real quick <laughs> um but you know also to tell our less you know telling our less listeners to 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 let us know uh of options because even if it's i don't know 40 bucks or like you know whatever that we make um it doesn't go to us um we wanted to go back to the community that we're you know we're we're learning from um so that's you know for our listeners and for you jose to help us out but also we want to end with the question that you didn't get to answer for the season one what makes you nerdy what makes me I actually just it's funny I just googled like define nerdy for me google because I'm (laughs) because you know people's definition of nerdy I think differs a little bit like from person to person um and the one definition they like was that this like obsessiveness with like a certain thing right like um characterized by an obsessive interest in something um I did not care for the first definition which is I don't know if you've looked this up or not but (laughs) this is what I do I, I like google everything um Maybe that's why that maybe that's what makes me a nerd that I Google absolutely everything if I don't know it. And this is what actually makes me angry. Now I just went on a tangent. I apologize. But this is what makes me upset about certain things or certain conversations with people where like people argue back and forth with each other about a certain thing. And it's like, we literally have a computer in our hands. Why are you not looking the answer up instead? And yep finding the answer and then settling the conversation i think people just love arguing anyway that's one of the things i google absolutely everything like i just googled nerdy 
And the first definition is unfashionable and socially inept or boringly studious. I don't characterize myself like that at all. Um, but the second definition is characterized by an obsessive interest in something, um, usually technology. But I'll take the first part of that and run with it. I am obsessed with Googling things. I love um, mariachi music and musical theater. And I think musical theater is what probably makes me a nerd. Like I could literally sit and watch 500 different renditions sung by 500 different people of the same song, just because I love the song and I wanna see what each person did differently. And I wanna see like what little thing they did, like especially if it's like live performances, like I wanna see like, what their body did, how their face reacted during the line, like how they landed on a certain word. I literally did this this morning. I listened to like 10 different versions of a musical song um, on YouTube. And I just love musical theater. I could talk about musical theater all day long. I really could. And it's a, it's a broken relationship between me and musical theater, but I still love it no matter what. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. But and I do the same thing with mariachi music too, though. Like before we let you go, I'm I have to ask what your favorite musical is. Oh, that's easy. Oh no, it's not easy because I have like a <laughs> I have like a top five, and it's the same thing with movies. When people ask me what's your favorite movie, I was like, I can't give you my top five. Um, <laughs> it's a rotating top five, but you know, because it's a living, breathing document. Um, I think. I'm going to go with my top two and they're going to be Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim. I don't know if you've, they made a movie with it. Um, What's Her Face was in it. Oh my God. The the actress who like does Emily all. Emily Blunt. Meryl Emily Blunt is in it. Meryl Streep. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Meryl Streep's in it. Um, So I love that one. It's not, it's not a super popular one. And the musical theater world is going to hate me for this if they ever hear this, because this is like a corny 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 one but wicked and the only reason is that it was my very first big musical that I saw and I was like eight I was a big ass 18 a 19 year old um my boyfriend at the time took me to see it and I it was my very first like big like I've loved the show for two years and now I get to see it live and it was it was everything I ever wanted like I was just like oh my god this is so fucking cool but like my taste in musical theater has I love it I I'm not no I'm not gonna shame it you know what it's not it's not a it's not a shameful thing I love I Wicked say, I love Wicked too <laughs> I love Wicked. Gravity is my jam seriously uh, <laughs> I've anyway. always wanted to see it and I never I, I never I was never able to go I, that was my first musical too and just in the half, uh, I didn't know there's an intermission. It was my first time ever to a musical. And just stopping on that song, like I, I think like my mouth was literally open. I was like, like <laughs> oh my God, I loved Wicked so much. Oh, Wicked is life changing life. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> but thank you so much again, Jose. Um, we will, I was going to ask for, for, can we pull an image from your Instagram like last time for your uh, promo? Oh yeah, absolutely. Whichever one you want. <laughs> and just Charlotte, make sure I look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you post it on your Instagram, I'm a, I'm assuming you approve. There are a few questionable ones, and I'm like, oh, whatever. I already posted it. <laughs> okay, well then, oh shit, we have less than a minute. Okay, it was okay. Harry, it was. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Nerdy Latinas podcast. We out. Bye. We-
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Please share us, review us, and send us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also like to thank our guests and Madera Once for allowing us to use their beautiful music for this episode. Please join us in the next episode of Nerdy Latinas Podcast. Bésame, 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 aquí estoy.